0: So this is Mary Ann of Integrative Cancer Review, and we are so happy today to be speaking with Aileen Nitsky of Cancer Harbors. She is the founder and CEO. And welcome, Aileen. Thanks, Marianne. Uh, so can you tell us about what Cancer Harbors is and what kinds of services you offer?
1: Yeah, uh, Cancer Harbors
0: is an online
1: program that is designed to provide guidance and support for a year at any time after can- primary cancer treatment is finished. So it, what it does is it fills that gap when, when people finish treatment and they leave the careful watch of their oncologists and are kind of go back into the community and have to regroup mm-hmm. and um, – Figure out their really figure out how to get back into living their lives, um, not as a cancer patient, but reaching you know reaching out to a more normal type of existence. Um, it provides guidance and support during that time because that can be a very stressful time for people, and it's an everyday life-based, practical, um, skill-oriented program. So what it does is it addresses a lot of the common issues that people have after they finish treatment, like ongoing symptoms, fatigue, anxiety, um, figuring out how to set realistic goals for themselves as far as recovery and some of the social and um, occupational and um, just psychological issues that go along with with coming back into the, the world after, after being a cancer patient. Um, and what it does, it, 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 there are really two different branches of it. One is an online program where it uh, provides materials that are self-paced and video-enhanced um, where people can read them and watch videos. Uh, and then they have access to a video conferencing platform where they can actually interact with me face-to-face and ask questions and get guidance. Um, Then the other part of Cancer Harbors is individual coaching, which people can sign up for um, separately from the online program.
0: Fantastic. So um, how do people pay for these services?
1: They pay for them themselves. This is private pay. It's not... Covered by any insurance, unfortunately, okay. at this point. Um, but um, it can be given as a gift, okay. and um, I'm also looking into um, partnering with some nonprofits who might be able to pay for the services for people who can use the service. Right. Um, that way, it's not a um, it's not a burden on the the person who just got through cancer treatment.
0: Right. Uh, but. You did mention the pricing is monthly, and it's it's yeah, If it you paid for monthly. Reasonable,
1: yeah, yeah. Right now it's seventeen dollars a month, um, yeah, and you know, or one hundred and eighty-five dollars a year, which you know is really like the price of a meal once a month going out to a restaurant. But right, it's a very small amount to pay for something.
0: Right, yeah, that sounds like a, a great value for as we know, the many benefits of um, exercise for people, you know, who've been affected by cancer diagnosis. Mm
1: -hmm. So,
0: um, you know, what kind of benefits are you seeing or, you know, what is your objective for your clientele? What What I,
1: my objective for my clientele is really to empower people to, take action for themselves as far as their health. Um, not only is it about functioning better and um, in, you know, improving the amount of movement and changing behaviors to be more healthy, but, um, but it also teaches how to advocate for yourself in the healthcare system as you're going forward. It helps you with relationships and friendships that may have been altered by the cancer experience, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 it addresses a wide range of issues. Um, so it's not just exercise, although physical activity is a very big part of it and it is encouraged um, because physical activity ties into uh, your your ability to, to think clearly, to be more mm-hmm. creative in solving problems. Um, it's a it can help you spiritually. It's physical activity can do so many things for you. So it's um that's a that's a very big emphasis
0: throughout the right. whole program. Okay. Yeah, that that's very important. So from what I've seen of your background, from what I've read on your website, um, your background sounds really perfect for doing this kind of work, and I was wondering if you could explain to the listeners uh, what your background entails and how that affects, um, how it contributes to the work that you're doing. Okay,
1: yeah, well, my background is, it, it's kind of all over the place, but it all, it's, it's like a puzzle, and it kind of all fits together and worked out very well for what I'm doing. Um, I am... Let's see, I, well, I am an oncology nurse, but I, I came to nursing later in my life. I actually um, started out in natural resources, um, got a bachelor's degree in forestry, and became interested in, um, in running at the end of college, um, and I became a, a competitive athlete, and um, I, so I run ultra-long distances.
0: Wow. And,
1: yeah, so what that taught me is really about, about physical activity and listening to my body and the discipline and habit, not, not the discipline of somebody else telling you what to do, but disciplining, discipline within myself and right. having a habit that is healthy and, um, you know, exercise really teaches you that or having some kind of regular activity.
0: Oh yeah, and,
1: definitely. Yeah, and I find that people who you know who don't exercise regularly really don't seem to listen to their bodies as well. I, they're not as familiar with how their right. body should feel, and um, so that I think that's a really important piece of this. Even though professionally, um, you know, it doesn't really fit in. Um, so anyway, I I um, had my natural resources background. I ended up going to graduate school, and I, was, I started studying exercise physiology. And I found out about this program of uh, research in health benefits of leisure. Mm. So what I ended up doing was I, I, I went right into a Ph.D. program in recreation resources, which is actually in natural resources, and mm-hmm. I combined my interest in exercise science and physiology with the social science-oriented um, natural resource recreation and um, studied health benefits of
0: leisure in my doctoral work. Oh, that sounds really interesting.
1: Yeah. So, And it was, you know, it was really different at the time. I mean, I, I even had a professor tell me that my, my ideas had no place in the discipline. <laughs> but, but, but as it Why turns was out... That? Um, I think that's just the way people thought back then. They just didn't see the connection between the body and, you know, and our, our lives. Oh. So, yeah. so I mean, that was, you know, 30 years ago. And, okay. You know, it, it, it was just kind of a di- different way of thinking. But anyway, I, um, so I, I got a PhD in recreation resources. I ended up teaching at the college level for a few years um, in exercise science. I coached athletes um, and I ended up starting my own personal training business and working with people who had chronic health conditions and when I was doing that I was listening to people tell me about how the doctors had lots of medications for them and always had something that they could do to them but really quality of life was being left out of the picture and when I was working with them, the, the uh, activities they were doing were helping them just feel better, mm-hmm. and that really improved the quality of life piece that wasn't being met by medicine. Right. So, um, yeah. So, so anyway, I, I, um, I was doing that, and as I was learning all of, all of that, I, I um, realized that I could probably serve them better if I had some kind of healthcare background. So to make a long story short, I ended up uh, going to nursing school and um, kind of fell in love with, with oncology along the way, and um, that was that was what got me going in this direction. Um, then the other piece of it too was my own experience as uh, I have I have thyroid disease, um, not cancer, but I have mm-hmm. I had some struggles with trying to get diagnosed and properly treated for thyroid disease. And that made me understand how frustrating it is for the patient when they talk to their doctors and their doctors say, well, we're doing everything we can. You know, we don't have anything else that we can do for you. And, um, right. you know, the limitations of medicine.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: so put all those pieces together. And um, anyway, I, I, uh, I worked as a nurse in both critical care and oncology. And when I was, when I had the oncology patients, I was hearing all of them, you know, hearing them talk about what was missing in their care and especially um, with their families and then after treatment that people were just lost. They didn't know how to go back to their lives. And I felt like, well, this is the opportunity. I have all the pieces in place. I can do something about this and help people work on quality of life after cancer treatment.
0: And so that's where Cancer Harbors came from. (laughs) Wow, that's quite a journey. And it's amazing how all those pieces dovetailed together. Yeah. So uh, how long has Cancer Harbors been in existence? Well, it actually was just launched in
1: April of this year. I've been building it. I've been
0: building it for a couple
1: of years now.
0: Okay, yeah. It sounds like a, it's a quite an endeavor. Uh and you're located in Colorado. Yeah, Fort Collins. Okay. And so but your potential clientele is not limited to that area because you have, you know, the video conferencing and all that. Mhm. Yeah, it's
1: I mean it can be worldwide really. I mean anyone right.
0: Anyone with an internet connection can use it. Yeah, that that's a wonderful model because there's so much need and so many people who are in areas that they don't have, you know, cancer centers or you know, cancer resource centers accessible to them. Or even yeah, if they it, do, and,
1: yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that that uh, as far this is great for people in rural areas who don't mm-hmm. have access to all the to, you know, everything that people in urban settings have. You know, right. there, there, aren't, there isn't the support. So it's, you know, this is, a, this is ideal
0: for them too. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, based on what you know now of the, you know, fitness field as well as the oncology field, what would you like fitness and wellness professionals to know about working with people diagnosed with cancer? Um, you know, fitness and wellness
1: professionals just, yeah, I, think, I think it's really, people skills are very important, of course, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. But know, knowing a little bit about cancer and how it's treated and what happens afterward, after treatment, what's likely to happen. Um, so you really do need to, to have a little bit of training in, what actually happens with the oncology treatment center? But um, the the thing that I think is a problem out there is that there's so much um, junk science. There's so there's so much bad information out there that isn't based in science. Right. Um, that I think it's really important for fitness and wellness professionals to have. A decent degree of science literacy mm-hmm. and understand research and right. and and take responsibility for learning about that because it's so easy for even educated people to you know be misled by studies that come out. Um, it's just it's very um, there's just so much junk. We're so flooded with with information and these media outlets so often will report on things before. There's really a body of evidence to support making changes. Um, so you have to be really careful. I would just say don't promote shoddy science and right. You know, uh,
0: yeah. Be responsible. I, I see that too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because people don't know. You know, they're they're so, if they don't have the background themselves, they're you know they're really at the mercy of their providers and their doctors and whoever they interact with. So. It's really important to make sure that you are doing something for them that's really going to help them, right? And not mislead them to, you know, to buy products or supplements or things that are really not helpful and you know may even be harmful. So, so it, it's just
0: be- it's very important to be responsible about that. Is there anything in particular that that you would want them to know about what people are going through? After they've been through cancer treatment, well, I think it's really important to uh, to
1: be able to empathize in in some way, and it's very hard if you have not had cancer yourself, um, but just to be very be very sensitive to what you know what people have experienced and the things that they hear from other people because they, you know, they get, they get bombarded with so much, um, I guess, extraneous information and people don't always think about how, you know, how it might affect them. Um, I'm trying to think of it. Like a good example would be, you know, if someone says, you know, in front of a, a cancer survivor, oh, well, I would never, if I had cancer, I would never do chemo or I would never do that or... Um, you know, you don't know until you've until you've been there. So don't you know? Don't assume. And you know, just they have made a choice for what was what was right for them, and they were relying on the experts. Yes.
0: Um, yeah. That so you have, like, be, mm-hmm. you have to be. You have to be careful about that. Right. Very, very um, aware and being a good listener and. Mhm. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, could you comment on what you would like physicians, oncologists, and other healthcare professionals to know about the work you're doing? Yeah, um,
1: actually, you know, it's it's this has been the biggest challenge for me um, is to reach physicians and oncologists um, and you know part of it is because of the way um healthcare is set up and the the model in which they work um and the the history of you know of medicine they doctors have always kind of existed in this this little sphere of their own and not interacting with the community um you know outside outside of their their world um they've been kind of privileged or you know just not really having to interact, but now um, with social media and the internet and changes in in the w- in the way healthcare is run, um, you know, there's a, there's some big changes coming along. Yes, um, and I think that I think that um, physicians really need to make an extra effort to reach out, um, you know, both with social media and in the communities where they practice. And in public health groups, they need to be out there seeing what people are talking about, and understanding that their patients exist in a world outside of the doctor's office. Yeah. And for, I think for so long they've, you know, they just concentrated on on medicine and what you know what they see their patient when they see their patient in the office, you know, or in the healthcare setting and they're not they haven't been thinking about you know what's everyday like life like for people and i think that's one of the big problems with survivorship care and care planning is that it doesn't take that into consideration i think we've we've kind of headed in the wrong direction to start with that so i think it's just being more open and receptive to communicating making time to interact with people in the community. Um,
0: I think that's what I want okay. physicians and oncologists to know. Are, are you seeing your clients um, having, you know, leaving their treatment with uh, any kind of guidance from their physicians as far as physical activity, you know, what they should or shouldn't be doing? The, for the ones who get the survivorship care plans, um,
1: a lot of times what they will get is they, they get a treatment summary, they get a recommended schedule of follow up you know follow- up visits and screenings, um, and then some very brief generic information on the you know you should exercise, you should eat a plant-based diet, you should manage your stress, you should avoid you know. You know sun exposure, you know unprotected sun exposure, you should you know certain guidelines on on healthy behaviors, uh-huh. but there's no there there's no guidance there's no um there's no help with with doing those things, and there's no uh, nobody tells them well, you know for the first few months you might be really tired. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't expect a lot of yourself and you might, you know, you might need some, some help with this or that. Um, there isn't a lot of, uh, there isn't a lot of structure there. They get, mm-hmm. you know, just very basic instructions.
0: Yeah, people are kind of left to their own devices then. Yeah. And so then what are you seeing when people are left on their own? Um, are they, you know, running into obstacles? You know, getting a, an activity plan going. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, I think the biggest thing is they don't they they really don't know what to expect.
1: They don't mm-hmm. know they don't know how they're going to feel, and okay. they don't know how long they're going to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the fatigue is is the biggest thing. I mean, most people report fatigue. And then the other thing is the anxiety about recurrence, and mm-hmm. you know feeling like, "Oh wow, nobody's really watching me now. What if the cancer comes back before my you know doctor's appointment? what am I going to look for what How will I know you know if there's something wrong? Um, you know there's there's that, and they don't have any idea when they might start to feel better so that's I mean that's one of the things that they're you know, they're struggling with out there.
0: Right, definitely. Uh, so what kind of things, like, would you um, offer in terms of people dealing with not only the physical but the, you know, emotional effects? The Cancer Harbors Program has these, these
1: it's almost like chapters. There, there are these modules, and they address these different topics and it's all activity-based. They are different activities that people can, can do to help them cope with those issues. Okay. Um, it, they're actually, they're actually projects to, to get started on. I mean, they're not major things, but they're, they're things to think about and there are suggestions and there are different things that are going to work for some people. Um, you know, the, There are different options for different people. But for example, um, learning, like um, I'm just going to give an example of like lifelong learning. You know, sometimes just getting out into the community and learning about something new, I mean, can help you. It can help you cognitively. Um, You know, if you're dealing with some brain fog or, you know, chemo brain, you know, learning a new skill very slowly um, with the social support and just the enjoying around, being around other people, it can take your mind off that fatigue and feeling
0: feeling kind of fuzzy all the time yeah um, that's that's a great suggestion so can you um tell us about how is is cancer harbors and the work you're doing helping to shift the paradigm for uh, the you know, trajectory of care for people affected by cancer? Um, I think what, it, what it's doing is it, it
1: takes... It, it kind of goes against the grain where the patient is dependent on the physician and on their, you know, medical care um, to guide them so that people, people actually become more active and um, they actually initiate the activity and the questions. Um, there's a lot about self-advocacy and a lot of, you know, with the, with the activities. People are, you know, people are going to get busy doing things um, that are going to help them feel better. And instead of, you know, being in the patient role where, you know, it's basically dependent on the healthcare provider, um, you know, the patient is taking the active role. Yeah, and um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of education involved with this, um, both for the both for the person who's uh, survived cancer, but also, you know, as far as taking care of your health in the future and improving your health habits. There's um, you know, there's a lot of need for that. People who've never really paid attention. Sometimes cancer is
0: a big wake up call for them. Um, Definitely. Yeah, it seems like in uh, all of this, uh, the work you're doing, there's such a big potential payoff for the clients as well in so many ways. Yeah. As well as for the whole healthcare system in terms of, you know, improved health status and reduced costs. Right. And I, I really think
1: that a lot of this work should really be done before a person is diagnosed with cancer. Um, and that, and I, I'm, I'm exploring ways to, to do that at some point. I just haven't quite figured it out. But we really need pre-education for cancer because people end up, you know, it's like the deer in the headlights. They, they have absolutely no idea what to do when, you know, when they first get that diagnosis. And yes. if, it, if it wasn't such a complete and total shock, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if they at least had an idea of what to do first, you know that that would help. It, it would just not be that, that complete shock and unable to to even function because they're right. they're just so fearful. Um, so there, there's just a, there's a lot we need to do about that, both in educating the public and um, you know, and also educating healthcare providers
0: about right. you know how to. How to educate the patient once they've been diagnosed. Yes, it seems like there's just kind of an overwhelm of information in all of the arenas and how to get that to the people that need it. Yeah, it sounds like you're providing a lot of, um, you know, services that fill in those gaps. So now, if somebody was in treatment and they wanted to, you know, initiate a, an activity program, it, would you work with them then, or is it only for people who are out of treatment?
1: I do work with people who are in treatment,
0: and that's you know, with my individual
1: coaching. However, okay. you know, someone could use Cancer Harbors even if they're in treatment. Um, I I really recommend it for after treatment, just because when you're in treatment, there's just so much going on and you can be so tired and it's hard to, you know, your life is really taken over by being a patient. You have so many appointments. Mm -hmm. So I think it's better to wait. Um, But as far as the individual coaching, yes, I do work with people. Um, In fact, uh, most of the individual clients I have are actually people who have, um, you know, more advanced cancer and um, just... That that just seems to be the way that, that that just seems to be who
0: gravitates toward my individual coaching service. Well, that makes sense because so many people now cancer becomes a chronic condition that they have to live with. So, right treatment is just you know indefinite. Mhm. Well, that that sounds uh, just like really wonderful um, benefits for people and I'm sure a lot of these benefits kind of rub off on the caregivers as well who can either you know enjoy the improved health status of the person that has the cancer diagnosis as well as probably benefiting in their own lives you know getting a, a more uh, awareness of how to be physically fit and active
1: yeah the cancer harbor's program definitely benefits the caregivers Probably almost as much as the the people who are um, who have had the cancer, so it's you know it, there's a lot of information there that caregivers can use um, it's not it 's not designed specifically for caregivers, but mm-hmm. there's so much information in there that is useful for or it's, it doesn't even have to be a person who has cancer I mean people could benefit from a lot of the a lot of the activities in there just to improve their own health and
0: their own, um, you know, functioning. So, so it'd be it something that 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 the people could do together. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That, that sounds great. So, um, can you tell us about how people can find you and get in touch with you and and learn more about your services? Yeah. Um, they can go to
1: cancerharbors.com. That's the website. Okay. Um, and if they want to email me, they can email info at cancerharbors.com. Okay. And then, you know, we also, we also have a toll-free number that they can call, um, and it's one eight four four nine harbor Okay. So those those
0: are the ways to to reach us. And um, that's that's yeah. great. So is there anything else that um, you would like to share or that I haven't asked you? Um, well, you can go to if
1: you go to Facebook, we do have a Facebook page, okay. Cancer Harbors. You can go there and and like that. And um, I do. Uh, Facebook live videos on short topics, so that's one way where you can find out find out more or just just get the you know get the benefit of hearing hearing about me uh, talking about cancer care and cancer survivorship care. And uh, we also have a YouTube channel with um, oh. it's called Cancer Harbors, and it has a lot of exercise videos and some other topics on there that is accessible
0: by anyone. That sounds great. Um, yeah, I. I just feel like the key um, that I hear you talking about so much is accessibility, which is just so important, you know, because the need is so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for spending this time and for the great work you're doing, Aileen. It's it's really a, been a pleasure to talk to you. All right. Well, thank you, Marianne. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay. Okay, thanks.